After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has been raised from the dead, and indeed is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You'll have to excuse me. It's been a busy season. I'm somebody who likes to do a lot of reading. And, uh, you know, that, that reading, I, I kind of fall behind on it. You know, there's so much reading that I do for church work, and some of my pleasure reading, I, I'm kind of behind on. It makes me a little nervous that I'm not going to get to some of my favorites come Christmas time. So I thought I would just take a little bit of time now uh, to do a, a little reading ahead, uh, if you'll indulge me. Uh, and I thought I'd just share it with you since it's so good. I like to read to my children at night still, even though they're teenagers. And so maybe even you would like to have me read to you a little bit right now. From one of my favorites, uh, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Marley was dead to begin with. There is no doubt whatever about that. The register of his burial was signed by the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker, and the chief mourner. Scrooge signed it. And Scrooge's name was good upon change for anything he chose to put his hand to. Old Marley was as dead as a doornail. Mind, I don't mean to say that I know of my own knowledge what there is particularly dead about a doornail. I might have been inclined myself to regard a coffin nail as the deadest piece of ironmongery in the trade, but the wisdom of our ancestors is in the simile, and my unhallowed hands shall not disturb it, or the country's done for. You will therefore permit me to repeat emphatically that Marley was as dead as a doornail. Scrooge knew that he was dead? Of course he did. How could it be otherwise? Scrooge and he were partners for I don't know how many years. Scrooge was his sole executor, his sole administer, his sole assign, his sole residuary legatee, his sole friend, and sole mourner. And... Even Scrooge was not so dreadfully cut up 
by the sad event, but that he was an excellent man of business on the very day of the funeral and solemnized it with an undoubted bargain. Uh, The mention of Marley's funeral brings me back to the point I started from. There is no doubt that Marley was dead. This must be distinctly understood, or nothing wonderful can come of the story I am going to relate. Hmm. Marley was dead. This must be distinctly understood, or nothing wonderful can come of the story I am going to relate. Hmm. Makes me think of the wonderful story that we're here to celebrate today. You know, it's the joy of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. But it's those last words that really make it so poignant, isn't it? Jesus was dead to begin with. This point must be distinctly understood, or nothing wonderful can come of the story that we relate to each other today. Jesus, on Good Friday, was dead. And everybody knew it. The soldiers who were tasked with his execution, they knew it. They were experts at this. It's what they did. You, you will hear some people today uh, in the 21st century uh, claim that Jesus wasn't really dead. Uh, one of the names that's given to this theory is the swoon theory, that Jesus merely passed out, lost consciousness, and therefore uh, everybody was fooled. They just thought he was dead. And then when they placed him in the cool tomb, the, the cool of the grave uh, revived him. But this doesn't make sense on a whole number of levels. One, the disciples would by no means be convinced that he had been risen from the dead uh, if he had merely been revived from uh, an afternoon in a cool tomb. There's a big difference between somebody who has victory over death and somebody who is merely revived, resuscitated. Besides, would they go to their own deaths, become martyrs for his name's sake, if they weren't utterly convinced of the truth of his rising from the dead? But we don't even have to address the disciples. Again, going back to those soldiers tasked with his execution. They were experts at their trade. And so it is that when they were asked to break the legs of the people being crucified so that they would hasten their death and so come off of the cross before the extra high holy day of Passover that was about to occur, they went to the first and the third of those who were crucified and broke their legs because they were not yet dead to hasten their death. But Jesus, Jesus' legs, they did not break because when they came to him, he was found to already have died. 
But just to be sure, because this was their task and it would be on their heads if they hadn't crucified him and made sure that he was dead as he was supposed to be, just to be sure, they took a spear and they pierced his side. And then they looked for what they expected to find if he was indeed dead. We kind of miss it today unless you're a medical examiner and and you're aware of such things, but John, who is an eyewitness of these events, tells us that when they pierced his side, blood and water came out from his side. Uh, Throughout church history, there's been much theological uh, hay made of this uh, because of blood and water. They think of uh, things like the Eucharist and Holy Baptism, and there's some wonderful stuff you can do with that, but I don't think that was John's primary point. He was merely observing the fact that blood and water came forth. And while he may not have understood the significance of that, Again, medical doctors today uh, who are experts in these things can tell you that when one dies, the waters of the body, uh, the fluids collect. And so what you can expect if one side is pierced and one is dead is for that blood and water to come flowing forth. Jesus was dead. This must be understood, or nothing wonderful can come of the story which we relate today. And everybody knew it. Not only those soldiers who had executed him, but the women who went to the tomb early on that first day. They expected to find Jesus in the place where he lay. The place where he had last been. And the dead don't make a habit of moving around. <laughs> I remember uh, Corey and I, when we were uh, moving to uh, our, uh, my first call in Lima, uh, we were looking at, at, you know, at the GPS, kind of looking, where would neighborhoods be? And we found this one neighborhood uh, with all these streets going in on the GPS. And as we got closer to the neighborhood, we realized it was a really stable neighborhood. You know, people moved in, but they did not move out. It was a cemetery. <laughs> People don't make a habit of moving once you place them in their grave. But the women went to the tomb of Jesus, and he was not there. We heard in our gospel how an angel of the Lord descended an earthquake. The angel sits upon the stone that had been rolled away, and the guards, oh, those poor guards... They thought that they were in for an easy detail, right? You know, it's one thing to guard a prisoner, to guard somebody who might try to escape, but to guard a dead man? I mean, this is cake. (laughs) Uh, Until that angel came down and uh, rolled away the stone and revealed he's gone. And the guards shook with fear. And they themselves became like dead men, paralyzed for fear. No one had ever seen anything like this before. The women, too, were afraid. This was evident to the angel whose first words to them are, Do not be afraid, for Jesus is risen, 
just as he said. Church, hallelujah, he is risen. Hallelujah. Amen to that. That was the message that they were given, tasked with taking to the disciples. And so without having seen him with their own eyes, they took this message to heart. The one whom they knew to be dead, they now trusted by faith to be alive. And while they're on their way, Matthew gives us this wonderful detail that Jesus himself appears to them while they are on their way. And he says, greetings. And they fell at his feet and grabbed hold of his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus says, do not be afraid. I wonder, I I heard something this past week that was uh, wondering if he said this to the women because they were holding on to his feet, fearful that they might lose him again, fearful that at any moment the guards might come out of their stupor and try to seize him and get the job done a second time. Jesus tells them, do not be afraid. Jesus is risen from the dead, never to die again. The women need not hold on to him because he's not going anywhere. Nothing will separate them from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And so it is for you, brothers and sisters. We do not have the option of holding on to his feet. But we don't need to. For he is here. Yes, he is risen. He is ascended to the right hand of the Father. And while we cannot see him with our eyes, he is here in his word, in his holy sacrament. He feeds us with faith to strengthen us in faith to look with hope for that day of his coming again. And so he says to you, do not be afraid. See, we know what it is to to experience death. While not firsthand, we, each one of us, has buried a loved one. Each one of us knows emphatically that they are dead. And yet... We also hear from St. Paul in his letter to the Colossians this morning that you who are in Christ, your life, your real true life is hidden with Christ in God. And those who die in faith, believing in Jesus Christ, crucified and risen from the dead, even though they die, yet they shall live. And this is not a promise only reserved for the end of time, but it is a right now, here and present promise for all who believe that as he lives, so we too shall live. So that even those loved ones whom you have buried, their soul is at rest 
and a peace in the presence of God. And on the last day, when he returns victorious, he will raise up your body to meet with your soul, to be joined together and to be joined with all those saints who have gone before us in his praise forevermore. Church, he is risen. Oh, but I was telling you a story. You know, for time's sake, I better just skip to the end, huh? And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. And he has. Amen.